going on, everybody? Welcome back to Dogs and Hogs. We've got Russ Tanner, as usual. I'm your host, Bobby Andrews, and we have back with us again, David Green. David, good to have you on again. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to be talking about uh, Cable Downs, Jim Harbaugh news just broke. I mean, we got a bunch of stuff going on today. Oh, Russ, what do you want? What do you want to hit first? You want to hit the Jim Harbaugh stuff? No, 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 no. We're we're coming to that in a minute. No, David Green for the first time in his entire life. I mean, look <laughs> at his face. DG, got the what beard, man. It's uh, it's been a little cold outside, so I've grown the beard out. Actually, what happened? It was right around New Year's and. I had about a three or four day beard going on and I looked at my wife and I said, Veronica, I think I'm just going to grow it out. I've never done it. I've never even tried it before. So I'm I like, it. I like it, man. man. <laughs> you look like a lineman a little bit. So. Well, I look like that without a beard too, but. <laughs> hey, appreciate, appreciate my man coming on. You know, DG's my boy and uh, he jumped on with us back in October. It's hard to get, you know, guys where we're at in life. You got a bunch of kids doing a bunch of stuff. But with the news cycle we're in now with college football, with all the things we talked about, Georgia football recruiting, Caleb Downs, Jim Harbaugh, I appreciate a guy like David Green, who is a legend of the red and black, coming on and be willing to start and, and talk about it with us. So. Absolutely. All right. All right, Captain. Let's see what you got. Yeah. You taking us tonight? First of all, fans, be sure to leave comments, like, subscribe, do do all the things. Um, you know, leave some comments for David. We'll probably get to some fan questions here in a minute. Oh, yeah. Roddy just threw up the score. We got Roddy working the boards right now. Dogs lead LSU 50 to 47. Russ was watching that yeah. before we got started here. Anyways, yeah. Um, David, thanks for coming on again. We really appreciate it. Um, first things first. Yeah, we'll talk about Jim Harbaugh since think, the news just broke. Off the top, off the top. Obviously, I want to get into Caleb Downs, but we're we're gonna hit Jim Harbaugh here. Opinions, thoughts, concerns, even with Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan, going to the NFL, going to play for the Chargers. Thoughts, comments, concerns. So was Man. it official? So I knew he was interviewing with the Chargers. Yeah, did he? Yeah. It, it is official. Schefter broke it about an hour ago. All right. So here, here, here's what I would tell you: College football is in a world of mess. Um, Nick Saban, I don't think he came out and said the reason he was leaving is because of the state of college football. Um, you know, what, you know, I think the, I think college football would, would really panic if, what if Kirby starts interviewing elsewhere? Because it's, I mean, look, man, what's going on in college football, this chaos? Um, it's not it's, it's, it's a joke. And I would say this, I think coaches that love, that have been really successful in college, they're coaches that love control. Think about Nick Saban when he went to the pros. He's like, no, no, that ain't it. I got to come back to college where I can control things. Yeah. Kirby, same way. Harbaugh, same way. And you look at what's going on. Everything is totally out of control, and they can't manage anything. And um, and if they don't rein this in quickly, I mean, college football has already turned into a mess. I mean, watching the Orange Bowl this year was a joke. And, and any bowl game – that wasn't in a playoff was a joke, but uh, yeah, it's an eye opener for for Harbaugh uh, to do that because I'm sure his quality of life he wants to yeah. ha have a much better quality of life. It's like, hey man, y'all go find the players. I'll just coach football and still get paid a lot of money. Um, and so that I think that's a I think it's a huge knock to college football with Harbaugh winning a national championship and leaving yeah. within yeah. a month. Well, it's, you know, and the writing was on the wall with him too, right? I mean, we, he's kind of flirted with him for the last few years, but the new, you know, they kind of floated it out there that Michigan was offering him a contract, you know, 
hundred and some odd million dollar contract, 10 year deal, basically a lifetime contract, more money you could ever think about spending with the stipulation. He didn't talk to the NFL and Harbaugh didn't sign it. So we pretty much knew the right was on the wall. Yep. But I, I mean, Saban was older, maybe his time had come, but the, the issue that Green talked about, the control these coaches want, I hadn't even thought about that, but you're exactly right. That's the reason Saban didn't stand in the NFL, right? There's a reason so many guys are college coaches because you go to the NFL, like, look, my NFL career was about as long as from here to my walk to the truck in the parking lot, all right? <laughs> it wasn't very long. Greeny played a little bit longer than I did. But when those guys were there, man, it's different. They're treated differently. You're expected to, to – you're, you're literally a professional. And up there, if you don't do your, if you don't do your job – you go home, you're cut, and that's it. And the coaches for that, too, like those guys know if I do my job, the coach ain't going to cut me. So the relationship between coaches and players is so much different. So you got guys like Harbaugh and Saban that have been control freaks for so long. But I think the last part, Green, Green took all my points. Freaking quarterback. <laughs> the, the, the other part of it is, too, now college football is becoming more and more. And if you look at Kirby Staff, who he's recruiting, if you can't recruit and you're not you're not willing to recruit year round, you can't coach in college football anymore. Yeah, you got to be an excellent recruiter and an okay coach or an okay developer of talent. If you're a great X's and O's coach, but you don't recruit, you can't be in college football anymore. Yeah. You got to recruit high school, and then you got to recruit your current roster and also the roster of every other college football team because that's the wild thing that's the other wild thing the michigan roster is about to open up for 30 days by the way for guys to hit the portal up there so what just happened in alabama you're gonna see the same the same thing happen in michigan russ russ you know what's sad think about it like this of course you and i didn't get paid a dime the only money that ever went out was maybe a little bit of apartment money we got twice a year there was maybe 1200 bucks right and we love just to play and you know and we never even thought about getting paid Think about the situation now. College coaches are making 10 times more money than coaches made oh, yeah. that were coaching back then, right? And they're more miserable than they've ever been. Players are making, obviously, 10 times, 100 times more than what we ever made. And yet they're not happy either because they're always chasing the next deal, right? And so there's no loyalty. And the, the secret sauce with college football and I cannot believe they're screwing it up. What made college football so great is loyalty. It's loyalty to the program. It's loyalty to your brothers. And what's the problem? And what we're going to find with this NIL, too, the NIL is totally, in my opinion, it's going to dry up with after this first, first year because here's why. They got people the first round. Hey, man, I you know I inherited a bunch of money. Here's a million dollars for this. And then you know what happens? That that you just gave the money for doesn't happen because whoever, Russ Tanner Jr., hops in a portal, but I paid a million dollars for Russ to do whatever, and now Russ is going to Texas, yeah. and you're not going to get me on the next round. <laughs> and nobody has control over this. And when these guys keep going in the portal, it's um, it, something's got to change. The, the best-case scenario to me is Nick Saban retires and he becomes the commissioner of college football. And he's the only guy, he's the only guy that can fix this thing because like him or hate him, everyone respects him. Right. And we need somebody of his magnitude to try to rein us in because college football is great as it's been. I didn't think they could screw it up. They've come really close to doing so. And I mean, it's dogs beating LSU 54 to 50. 
hoop dogs. I'm on it. Let's go. I like that. But you're Green's exactly right. And I mean, it's it's wild to me now. It's gotten to the point to where these a lot of these colleges are now they're begging the nine to five working Joes to give money to be able to pay for these college athletes. Roddy had a guy on the on the event this week, kind of an anonymous guy that was a, a big NIL donor at UGA, kind of giving his pers- perspective on what's happening there. And he made a comment on there. He said, donor fatigue is a real thing. Yep. And donor fatigue amongst these big money guys is going to get more and more. And at the end of the day, man, like there's a reason we're not a bunch of freaking communists over here in America. We don't give money to anybody that doesn't perform. That's just the way it is. Capitalism <laughs> wins. And it's going to win an NIL deal too. Yep. So you, you look at you look at Texas A&M, it's probably the best example of that that we've seen over the last few years. Jimbo Fisher's class, not this year, the year before, you know, the reports like $30 million in NIL stuff. Walter Nolan, number one defense tackle in the country, top five player in the country, got paid who knows how much to go to Texas A&M. He leaves a year later and goes to Ole Miss. You think that A&M donor's feeling good about that right now? That, that's the key, Russ. NIL could work if the portal wasn't around, right? If guys had to stay at the school they were at, and at least if they're loyal, they everyone thinks they're loyal because they are they came to the school, this one school, and they accept this money and they're there for the four years and whatever the money goes to. Think about this, Ohio State, what if Caleb Downs, all that money apparently he got, what if he hops in the portal next year and decides he wants to come to Georgia? I mean, if he's an All-American, I mean, what's we'll stop it? He's from Georgia. His coach is, you know, in, in Athens now. I mean, what's to stop it from happening next year? And, and you're right, man. I, I think back about this too. Like these guys, man. If if they could ask us old heads, that's what all the all the kids call us old guys, the old heads. You know, me and Green, we're 41 years old. We didn't play college football in 20 something year, 20 years. But the loyalty to the G, man, was important. Like for guys in Alabama to have that A across your helmet, to have Bama on there. If you go to Ohio State to say the Ohio State University, proud of it. Like it's something they're gonna miss. When we walked in the Buttsmere building. There was a long hallway going to the elevators and to our locker room. Greeny, what was in the middle of the floor? Go, handed out the hallway. What, what was there, Greeny? It was the G, and nobody walked on it. Carpet. All right. So every time you came up to it, and this G, by the way, if this if this hallway is twelve feet wide. This G is probably nine feet wide. So there's only like a foot and a half, two feet on each side of it. But Greeny, what did every single man in that building do every time? Yeah, everybody walked around it. Nobody walked through it. And you would you would let somebody pass you by, you know, to, to, and, but nobody would walk right over the G just out of respect. I actually, Russ, my high school coach, before when I accepted a scholarship to Georgia, he, he made me watch – films of the history of the football program he's like before you even go there dude you need to know the history of the guys that have come before you like it was a big deal um and and russ i feel bad for the guys too because i mean look when i think about you know my playing days i don't even remember the score of any games russ we played in i could tell if we won or lost but very vague memories of the game itself and the outcome and whatever but i mean think about we spend 95% of the 98% of the time, not in a game. So it's the, it's all the relationships you build. It's the fun times we have. It's the stuff we did on, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday nights. Those were the fun memories. And these guys are, they're, they're coming in and parachuting in for five months at a time. And then they're back out at the next school. They're not developing any relationships. 
and they're just bouncing around. And it's just, it's sad, really. Uh, and you're seeing it trickle down to the high school and even middle school level now. It's kind of like money can't buy happiness or something like that. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> there's some, maybe there's some uh, old books that talk about that somewhere. Yeah. So, you know, and, and these guys, man, they get in the situation like where all they do is look at what other people are getting in it. And they make their decisions based on what they think they should get somewhere else and try to earn it. There's a term for that now, by the way, called pocket watching. Pocket watching? Pocket watching. <laughs> Never heard of that. Yep. Well, here, here's what I know. Here's my wisdom nugget for you. I'll drop on your pocket watching stuff. That's good. Comparison is the thief of joy. So all these guys mm. around and everything else happening, like, look how much money Caleb Downs is getting. Look how much money Malachi Starks is getting. Look how much money that third string guy Pittsburgh's getting. I'm I'm better than that. And they leave to chase a dollar, and that's a miserable, that's a miserable existence. And I agree with Greeny. I, I've been I've been kind of middle of the road on this about college football's not being ruined. They gotta fix it. Like I'm I'm pro NIL for the record. I'm pro players getting to use their name, image, and likeness to earn dollars and advertise off of it. Brock Bowers, Vlad McConkey, you know. Those types of guys, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, those guys should be able to go out and advertise for the local Ford dealership to go yep. out and advertise for the local pizzeria and get paid $10,000 to do whatever because they're famous, they're popular, they've earned it. But as a recruiting tool, it's bullcrap, and it is going to ruin college football. And, and Russ, I'm, I'm actually with you. <laughs> I, I'm for NIL. I'm totally uh, – I'm – Totally okay with guys getting paid and all that kind of deal. It's just this, this, the lack of loyalty, the portal, that is going to be, if there's going to be a downfall of college football, it's going to be that. Because I tell you what's going to happen. Schools are going to start losing their fan base because the, the fans are not going to have a connection to the guys on the field if they're just paid mercenaries to come in and fill um, a role you know, during the fall, and then they're back out. If it becomes that, they're going to have a problem because all these schools are going to start losing their fan base. Um, that loyalty, man, they cannot – I mean, may, look, maybe I'm a dinosaur. I don't know. But I think that's the reason, you know, fans love Georgia football is they love the fact that, hey, these are our guys. These guys go to school here. They grew up here. They're going to be here for, you know, three, four years. They're going to play for Georgia. They're not coming here for four months on a uh, a little you know trip here before they peace out and go somewhere else. If it turns into that, uh, college football is in, is in a big is in a big decline, in my opinion. All right, now that we ran all the kids off our lawn, right? Get sure. off our lawn, kids. The old men are talking here. Here's a, here's another fact. Hey, just talk about football. Uh, Georgia is poised to win a lot of football games now over the next three, four, five years. You know, the big bad wolves are all leaving. Um, you know, Saban's out, Harbaugh's out. How many How many current college football coaches have won a national championship? Dabo? Kirby? I mean, Russ, how many, how many college football coaches currently have beaten Kirby Smart? I think yeah. that's the number, right? Yeah. Is, is that right? I'm, I'm I don't pretty know, sure. I don't know in like the last five years, I saw something on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, it's only really been Nick Saban and, uh, yeah. And so, and, and that's wild. So it takes, look, in college football, the younger, the younger the guys that you coach, the greater impact the coach has on a team. Okay. 
So it goes down. A great coach can have larger impact the lower it goes. I mean, if you go down and watch David Green's Pee Wee football teams from back in the day, they were murdering people because it was Green versus some accountant from Alpharetta who didn't know anything about football, and he was murdering them. All right. So in college football now, all these guys that have been the kings of the castle, I mean, the cream of the crop, the tip top, the, the bully on the block, whatever you want to say, they're all leaving. Dabo seems to be past his peak prime of having to fight for it. I'm not, I love Dabo, by the way. I know a lot of people on here can't stand him. I think Dabo's great. Um, but Saban's gone. Harbaugh's gone. Kirby is the king of college football. And it's not even close. Yeah. And Georgia's going to reap the benefit of this for years to come in recruiting and on the field. So, All right. Well, one last word. Let, let's give our final word on, because this originally started with Jim Harbaugh. So we'll, we'll transition because all this energy – We'll get into this cable down situation here in, in one second. But final word on Jim Harbaugh. You think he'll be successful in the NFL or not? Yeah. As long as he's got Herbert at quarterback, uh, well, he's got a shot at it. You know, NFL, it can turn one year. You could be the worst team in the league one year, and then the very next year they make some moves and you could be great. I think he'll do fine. He's been there before. Yeah. He understands what it takes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, last time he coached the NFL, right, he was, if I'm not mistaken, playing in the Super Bowl, right? I mean, yeah. within a year or two of that, I mean. And yeah, that Herbert, was, Herbert at quarterback's the key for him. Yeah, yeah. that dude's a baller. Yeah. yeah. It, what he did with J.J. McCarthy, I think he will be able to do with Justin Herbert as well. So, and Yeah, I like, I like Justin Herbert. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that have that, that quarterback class, Mahomes, Herbert, some of those guys, Josh Allen, that are dudes. And yeah. Herbert is a dude. Yeah. He can throw the ball. He's a big, tall cat, and he can run. Yeah. I mean, for a white boy, he's pretty fast. So, <laughs> all right, <laughs> not he's not a greeny. We're gonna we're gonna move on to this Caleb Down situation now. I'm I'm gonna set the stage right because, you know, Caleb Downs, this top prospect, this you know, led Alabama in tackles as a freshman, right? Mm -hmm. This prized possession, one of the best players in the Alabama football team, enters the transfer portal. Georgia Kirby Smart goes after him. Hard, very, yep. very hard, right? You know, we hear reports that he's enrolled in classes. You know, he's, you know, he's looking at apartments. He's doing all this and that. And, you know, uh, he, there's Kirby Smart tweeting, hashtag go dogs, and all this other stuff is going on. And, and you're riding high. You're like, Caleb Downs is going to be a Georgia Bulldog, right? You're hearing reports, this, that, and the other. You know, he's, it's a done deal, right? And then all of a sudden, about eight o'clock rolls around. And this is Thursday night, eight o'clock rolls around. All of a sudden you start hearing chatter of, you know, Caleb Downs to, to Ohio State. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it comes out. Caleb Downs ends up going to Ohio State, takes a boatload of money. How people have been posing this question of did Caleb Downs just use Georgia as a as a, you know, a, as a chip to yeah. kind of leverage. Uh, point. Yeah, a leverage yeah. point. What are your thoughts on this entire Caleb Down situation? Is it – it's insane. It, I've never seen anything like that. That's insane. Obviously not because NIL just kind of got started going, but this is this is a different beast. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Christian man, and some of my pastors may watch this, so I can't say what I really think because <laughs> it has something to do about him and the mule he rode in on. Um, you know, like, I, I don't know, man. It's just – I don't know. I don't know Caleb Downs at all. Literally, if Caleb Downs was walking in here right now. I wouldn't know Caleb Downs. Yep. I mean, I'd have to study him, see who he is. I, I know him on the field, respect the crap out of what he's done, 
great player. Georgia wanted him as bad as anybody a year or so ago whenever his recruiting class was. Fresh All-American, leading tackle, Alabama, yada, yada, yada. He's a dude. But to be as close as he was to coming to Georgia and signing, and I know some people that I talked to that were involved in the NIL conversation with him that he told was coming. Roddy was and – and I've been a member of UJ Sports for a long time, watching the event, checking the vault, all recruiting news. As long as I've known Roddy, he has never came and said, yes, this guy's in, unless the intel saying he's in is coming from the highest level that we have access to. Yeah. And he went on the record and said, Caleb Downs is going to be a dog, and it's going to happen real quick. Yep. So that does not happen without people at Georgia, not just not just a guy who sat in the club level one time and knows a guy who thinks he knows something. Caleb Downs told Georgia who's coming. Yes. And then backed out at the – not the ninth hour. He backed out like 11.59 p.m. Like, that's bull crap, Insane. man. That, that, ain't, that ain't what you're supposed to do. And, no. You know, unfortunately, we make judgments about kids because of things like this. And maybe his advisors told him differently. But it's a terrible look, and that ain't the way you should go about life. So, you know, he's going to Ohio State. hope they never win a game. That's where I stand on it. Well, I don't like Ohio State either. <laughs> but I will say this. So, I live – five minutes from uh, Mill Creek High School and know a lot. I, I, if Caleb Downs popped up on the screen right now, I wouldn't know what he looks like either. But I know – I do know a lot of people that that do know him and know his family. I've heard that he is a fantastic kid that comes from a fantastic family. A um, couple things that I think are in play here. Number one, you're talking about business decisions being made with – 18, 19 year old kids. Right. And so uh, we're holding them to a, like an adult standard. And I know his parents are involved, um, <clears throat> but you know, the, you're getting 18, 19 year old kids that are having to make like big boy type decisions. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of us are raised, Hey man, you give your word, you, you, you just move forward. The other component of this is this kid was just so highly sought after. Um, you never know what was going on, on the other side of Ohio state. I, I mean, clearly, um, you know, the money was much, much more, right, than what Georgia was willing to do. Uh, I've also heard, whether it's true or not, who who knows, that, you know, they promised him he can play both sides of the ball, kind of like the Travis Hunter where he's corner and receiver, that, you know, Caleb obviously played a lot of running back and did a lot at Mill Creek on both sides of the ball. Um, and on top of making all the money, he could be, you know, featured that way. And, and you, you never know what was being sold to him as well. So, um, so I think part of the reason it kind of looks like such a bad guy is, you know, he's, he's somebody we really would like to have. And, uh, and he told people that he was coming. Right. And so you that's just think, okay, his word, yeah, that's problem. but you know, we, we live in a, in an era now where this is just, it's, it's more business than relationship. And that's the unfortunate part about where we are. But I have heard from multiple people that I know and trust well, that he, that he's a great kid and his parents are, um, comes from a really good family as well. Hate to see him not leave. Here's the only thing good for, for us. Obviously, a kid as talented as he is, your team's going to be much better. We've got good safeties. And so it's not like uh, it's not like we're, we're going to be totally struggling because he's not here. Um, but it, it's just a blow, and it's a blow to our ego too, right? We're Georgia. We're big and bad, and this is a hometown kid. His coach is coming over to be a defensive coach, and – it looks like it's going to be a slam dunk, and then you know the rug gets pulled at the last minute. 
Yeah, I mean, my all, all my negative comments and my negative thoughts come from the standpoint about like it's, you got to be a man of your word, dog. Like if you say you're going to do it, do it. Like yeah. if you're playing both sides of the fence, like tell people, and that's fine. Kirby's a big boy. Kirby's been told no a ton in recruiting. I mean, it's just yeah. the way it goes. I mean, just be straight about it. I mean, don't tell people that you're coming. And maybe maybe he didn't. Maybe I should retract that a little bit because maybe he didn't. But it sure seems like he did. So, you know, Ohio State. Look, you talk about the NIL and the portal stuff. Harbaugh. It did this to Ohio State because Michigan beat Ohio State three years in a row. Yeah, Michigan won the national championship. Ohio State can't take that. Yeah. They're paying Caleb Downs. They're paying paying Julian Sayan, the quarterback from Alabama. And I don't even know all the other people, but they're spending a lot of money in the portal right now. And it's 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 win or bust for Ryan Day. I mean, you talk about somebody from the hot seat. He's got to win within the next two years, or else he won't be the coach of Ohio State anymore. It's amazing too, guys. If you're if you don't have a good quarterback, how bad your team is. I mean, just watching him play or watching Ohio State play and just seeing, you know, watching him offensively, I mean, what a mess, right? I mean, I wish we would have played him this year and went CJ Stroud. I mean, that's CJ Stroud capable uh when we saw him. But yeah, I mean, yeah, he he's gotta win. I'm with you, Russ. If he doesn't win this year, uh as much money as they spend in the portal, I mean, it seems like they're truly buying this twenty twenty four team. They're they're the L.A. Dodgers of of college football, right? They're they're the guys who spend you know seven hundred million dollars on Shohei Otani and all this other stuff. Like you know, I, some people on here may not be baseball guys, but that's a lot of money, right? Like to go get Caleb Downs, a guy who is somebody who is very established already in college football, even though it's only been one season. He is a phenomenal safety, a phenomenal player, but your chips are all on the table right now. Like you're, yeah. you're all in. This is it. This is it. And if you don't, if it doesn't happen, then I mean, is is the entire program going to come crumbling down? Because it, like, well, you're, we've you're, seen we've seen Texas A and M try this with buying their players. It doesn't right? work. It doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. Kirby is a great well, team builder. I don't think it's no credit being a great team builder and the locker room chemistry is so important. And the problem with with the mercenary, the mercenary kind of way of building a team through the portal yeah. is you don't build team unity, loyalty, a belief in something greater than yourself that you're all striving towards. You get a bunch of guys trying to get paid and trying to get to the next level. So you know what happens when the crap hits the fan and I, and I promise you if you play college football, the crap is going to hit the fan. Like how do you respond to that? Yeah. And, yeah. and they haven't, you know, that's going to be where, where they got to figure it. Texas A&M crumbled. Ohio State, who knows, but I will bet money on that them crumbling as well. And that's the problem, guys. The culture, the great coaches, the Nick Sabans, the Kirby Smarts, the culture that they're trying to build, the way college football is now, it's the opposite. You, you know what I mean? Like uh, you look at discipline and hard work and team and all the things that, um, you know, this blue-collar type mentality. I mean, coaches can't coach like that anymore you're going to lose your entire team right so everything that these coaches the great ones the cultures that they try to build it's very very difficult to do that in the landscape right now did uh green you see who who Ohio state hires their offense coordinator no bill o'brien billy o did yeah you recruit you billy o has been in the business so long he was at georgia tech and recruited me to Georgia Tech when I was coming out in 1999. What happened when he called your house and y'all didn't answer? <laughs> yeah, true stories. This is back like uh, 
even before we had an answer machine or whatever, I, we had to call her ID. I come in from before school. Before we had an answer machine. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have an answer Rick, machine. Rick and Kay wouldn't spring for an answer machine? They weren't splurged. And it said Georgia Tech Athletic Department. I'm like, man, I don't want to talk. I didn't really like the recruiting. And, uh, and he left the phone off the hook. And this is right after school. So I'm like the only one at the house, right? And I'm listening to that phone ring for like 30 minutes. And then finally, I just pick up because I'm about to go insane. I pick up the phone. I'm like, hey, like I just walked in and there was nobody there. So I hang up and he calls back like five minutes later. I'm like, that's pretty dirty. That is a dirty recruiting tactic. He's not offense coordinator at uh, at Ohio State. But, you, you know, it's crazy. We talk about the Michigan stuff, the Harbaugh stuff. The portal stuff. And it's all related. You tried to move us on a minute ago, but it's all related. So let, let me try to get this in for a second. Go ahead. All you. When Harbaugh leaves, you know what happens to the portal window for Michigan players? It opens back up. Right. They 30 get days. 30 days to leave. Correct. What happens now if the spot that fills Michigan is Brian Kelly from a, from a LSU? No way. That, that's the conversation. That's the hot name on the board. Is that Brian Kelly is going to be the guy because that's where his fits at? Michigan will pay more than LSU's paying him, and that's where he wants to be. I can't see that he just got to LSU just a, just a few seasons ago. He's building that program back up, right? He had a pretty good year this year. I, I it money, could happen, but money, money talks. Money talks. That's Yankees right. walk. I mean, <laughs> I, it, but that's the problem, Russ. Money, and like I said, I'm a dinosaur, man. Like <laughs> it, it can't always be about money. At some point in life. You got to look at things, and I mean, and it just not be about a dollar sign. Um, I mean, they're yeah. So anyway, I don't know. I, I this whole thing, the the college football game, it's getting sleazy to me, and I, and I'm starting to get a point where I don't really want to be a part of it. Isn't that sad to say? So here I am talking on a college football podcast, but it is. It's just it's getting to the point where <laughs> Thanks, it's just, it it's getting to the point where it is. It's just becoming. Um, there's no loyalty. There's, there's no anything. And it's, oh yeah, I'm all in, I'm all in, I'm all in. And all of a sudden the next thing, you know, we're, we're gone because I was bought and you could buy me. And that's well, just, I don't know. It's part change. of me that I, I just don't like that at all. Yeah. It's going to change. I mean, when, when you allow something like this and else stuff to happen, the transfer portal stuff to happen with no guardrails, change comes too hard, too fast. It's too destructive. Things will change, and they will change quicker than we think they will. I'd say within the next two years, there's going to be a new model in college football, whether it be revenue sharing, whatever it may be, where the conferences split and get their own thing set up. I mean, the coaches cannot keep doing it at their pace that they're currently coaching at. They're going to leave. And they're not. Harbaugh's gone. Nick Saban's gone. What if Kirby leaves? I mean. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Same. Panic mode for them. I agree. All right, David. Well, we'll uh, we'll kind of segue over to before we get into to kind of reminiscing on some of the some of the good old days with you guys playing some ball. Let's uh, we're going to talk a little bit about we had Coach Richt on last week. Yeah. Right. So if you haven't go if you haven't seen that episode, you know, after this, go go make sure you tune into that one. Make sure to catch up on that one. But we had a really good time last week with Coach Richt. Uh, David, do you have any like really good stories of your time with with Coach Richt here? Well, I mean, there's there's a ton I can pull from. I'll tell you a really uh, pretty good story about Coach Rick and Matthew Stafford. Um, so my senior year, Coach Rick, you know, they were recruiting Stafford. And by the way, is he not an absolute freak? I mean, did y'all watch him last week with the? the- hey, he made the greatest 
football the arm. No look, the no look pass going to his offside. I mean, the guy's just, he really is just totally different. But even back when he was 17 years old, I think we're getting ready for the bowl game my senior year. And Coach Rick, um, he said, Hey, Green, you got to watch this kid. This kid we're recruiting. He goes, I've only seen two people in my life that can throw the ball like this kid. And he said, He didn't mention me, that's for sure. <laughs> John Elway and Dan Marino. And I'm like, Dang, I got to see this kid. And, um, and sure enough, he pulls up his highlights and I see him throwing the ball. And, and obviously, it was impressive. And then I forget when Stafford comes into the butts mirror for the first time. I'm like, this short little pudgy kid. He was like 250 as a freshman. I mean, he like it. He looked like a pulling guard, Tanner. Uh, that when I first, but then I wasn't that impressed at first when I laid eyes on him. But as soon as he hit the practice field and I saw the ball come out of his hand, I was like, yeah, this kid, this kid is definitely different. But it's amazing how Coach Rick, at like 16, 17 years old, could already tell that there were only two people, John Elway and Dan Marino, that he saw could naturally throw the ball like Stafford. Um, another great story I'll tell you about, Coach Rick, and I'll try to make this one quick. I was playing tennis. This is, you know, maybe 10 years ago uh, over in Gwinnett. Get done playing. The guy says, hey, Green, can I talk to you for a second uh, over here on the side away from other people? And I'm kind of like skeptical, like, oh, man, this is guy's about to get deep on me. And I don't know what's going on. And uh, pulls me over to the side and says, hey, man, I just want to give you a heads up. Big dog fan. He goes, uh, I was really in a tough spot around 02 when we were winning SEC championship and all. He said, uh, I was in a tough place. And he said, one night, man, I just had way too much to drink. And I'm like, you know, screw it. I'm just calling Coach Rick and call Coach Rick's office. And Miss Ann, um, secretary, answered. And God just kind of spilled his guts to Miss Ann. And, and Miss Ann called Coach Rick. He was on his way to Macon to speak to the Macon Touchdown Club. Mm-hmm. And so she called Coach Rick. Coach Rick talked to this guy that he never met for two hours that was in a dark place and really turned a guy's life around. Pretty amazing story. People ask about, yes, yeah, Coach Rick the real deal? Uh, he's 100% the real deal. And he gets down to the Macon Touchdown Club and you know, tells the group down there they got hung up in traffic, so he was a little late. When in reality, he was talking to a guy he's never met, just a big Georgia fan. Um, and it, it, there's stories like that all the time, Russ, that – yeah, we know all the we know we got a million stories of things he's done uh, to help people, but there's a million more that we've never heard of. That just random, you know, Georgia fans that are out there that'll come up and say, "Hey, you know, you're not gonna believe what your coach did for me." And so I thought that was one that I was just like, "Man, it's it's pretty amazing how um, the impact he made on on so many of us." Yep. Yeah, and and I, and I think about Coach Rick. I mean, it is. I mean, Coach Rick's gonna go down with his legacy being the type of man he was, the impact he made. I actually think, and uh, Roddy, if you if you are ready, I think let's transition with this because I got I'm gonna segue us into it, into the Auburn one. Um, I, I think that Coach Rick gets shortchanged a little bit of how good of a football coach that he was because he's such a good man. Like that, his character overshadows football. A man, what a great thing to say about somebody. By the way, I hope they say that about me. Like whenever my days are up, that his character. Um, overshadows anything else he ever did and that's coach rick but you know coach rick comes in 2001 had a good a really really good season 2002 we come up greeny starting quarterback we go to auburn all right greeny roddy i could i can see your face do you got the auburn clip ready roddy whenever greeny gets set us up. all right greeny set us up fourth quarter auburn game let's talk about coach rick as a football coach a little bit that last drive where we're at and what was going on 
Can you see? Hey, can you see it on your screen, Granny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right. you know, the play here it was called um, seventy X takeoff, and, and there were only re typically we call seventy takeoff, and seventy takeoff means I could go, you know, either to Fred on my right side or Michael Johnson to my left. Um, but if y'all remember in that game, you know, Michael Johnson had the hot hand. I mean, he was a backup, had not really played a whole lot that year, but during this game, he had. Uh, he had double-digit catches. I think he had 11 or 12 catches and was giving that corner uh, a tough time all day. So, Coach calls 70X takeoff. Now, they were playing quarters covers, Tanner. The one thing that um, – the reason I pumped to my right is just to try to get that free safety to flat foot. Honestly, the free safety really kind of screwed this up because our tight end on the same side as Michael Johnson, he stayed in the block. And really and truly, that free safety should have instantly just went over and doubled Michael, uh, but he didn't. It's, got to play here. But you'll see where where Ben Watson, you know, he stayed in the block. That free safety should have automatically went over and doubled Michael, um, but he didn't, thank goodness. And so we pumped the Fred. You know, Johnson had the hot hand that day, and so uh, we just fed it to him. I mean, thank God our defense played as good as they did that day. They were amazing, and – and look, Russ, that was part of the, you know, kind of the culture of that team. You know, we uh, we weren't the greatest athletes, or I shouldn't say that. We had plenty of great athletes, especially our defense was unbelievable. But, like, you know, I was just kind of a blue-collar guy, and uh, we just never quit. I think that was the best thing uh, about our teams that we would watch literally – Watch this throw right here, by the way. Well, it was a better catch than it was to throw. I probably should have thrown it a couple yards deeper. But it was just enough to get it done. But, yeah, 70X takeoff. On a play like that, just throw it up and give your guy a chance to make a play. Um, Carlos Dansby, that, he hit me harder than anybody <laughs> in my college career in 01. He absolutely buried me. But how fun is that, Tanner, when you play in a stadium, especially on a road like Auburn, and you make a play like that, the stadium just goes silent. But you can hear your little erupt. And, and I don't ever understand why defense do that. Like, Roddy, back that up about five or ten seconds right there. So, Greeny's a left-handed quarterback. And if you look at where the pressure's at, all the pressure, they they almost slant to our right. So, look, I mean, there's nobody over there. Ben Watson sitting on the edge with nobody to block. Wide nope. open for his eyes down the field and just put it up for MJ. And like I said, MJ is a big receiver, man. Like, he's a big-body guy who just went up and just muscled it up. Oh. He was yeah. tough, great competitor, you know, and that's the reason you always got to be ready to go. He always practiced tough too, and um, and I guess it was Terrence who was out that week, and and buddy, did he step in and play big? Hey, Russ, one thing I want to do, I did see uh, our big boy Dan Inman over here, uh, you know, chatting it up on the text line. Got to give big homie a big shout out now, one of our favorite guys of all time. Right, I think, I think we got a picture. I think we got a picture, by the way, of you and Dan. Hey, well, I can tell you one thing. If I ever have to get to a fight, I want Big Dan with me because he <laughs> he is very comfortable in that setting. Look at Greedy. <laughs> Greedy, Greedy looks like those other kids' nephew. Like he looks like he does not belong at the at the adults' table. Um, he's like squatted down trying to talk to the referee, and Big Dan's punching a dude in the face. Yeah, he you talk about loyalty. That like talk about this is the greatest thing about college football, loyalty. Big Dan was as loyal as it come. And um, I think I got knocked in my butt there, but Dan wasn't going to let Kieran Fox stand over and taunt me. 
Did That's I see Mike great. Johnson on that? Did he hit the Tebow before Tebow hit the Tebow? Did he hit the I, – I thought I saw him drop to a knee. And, Did uh, you? I, I don't know. I saw him on the ground. He couldn't get up. Georgia leads LSU 68-66. to 66. Roddy's killing me. I'm trying to listen to Granny and also pay attention to the Hoop Dogs as well. That's good. Come on, dogs. Pull it out. Not much time left, though. Yeah, Big Dan's over there. I saw Ajax is watching tonight, Greeny. Ajax? Ajax is watching. Oh, um, man. There ain't nobody that can laugh like Ajax. If he, if you hear him laughing, trust me, you will be smiling as well. Yeah, it's fun. And, you know, and we'll get to some questions a little bit, but I'll, I'll hit this one real quick because this was from somebody else, another former teammate. Wanted to know who was the best singer on the team. While we're there, who's the best singer on the team? Oh, Russ, help me refresh. We had some good ones. If you don't think of somebody on the defensive line, this person's feelings are going to be very hurt. You're not talking like Ken Ville, are you, Pooh Bear? He got it. Pooh, that's it. The Pooh, Pooh Bear? Yeah, Pooh got it. Hey, let me tell you, we have more fun with Ken Ville. There is nobody that laughed like Pooh Bear. He had the best laugh, Cedar Town's finest. And I would, when we used to live in McCorder Hall, I would hear uh, Pooh live right next door to me. And I would hear this laughing. It sounded like there was a party going on in his room. I'd go in there. It'd be him by himself watching the Jeffersons. And he'd be smoking a Blackie Mild at, uh, ashtray and on the, uh, on the bedpost. <laughs> Put the cigars out. But he was watching the Jeffersons belly laughing. It sounded like there was 10 people in there having a big time. And it was just Pooh. So if you if you go back to about two thousand and three, we we had had a little a little situation happen in practice for a while to where there were a lot of fights that were happening in practice. We were fighting a lot in practice. Greeny never got in a fight. Quarterbacks never got in a fight. They always walked out and they like little chihuahuas barking at everybody else fighting. But there were always fights. It was the linebackers and the tight ends would start it, and then the D line and the O line would get in, and it was a brawl. We had some major fights, big ones, but a few guys got hurt. And um, got hurt fighting. So Coach Rick had made a rule. First rule was you couldn't take your helmet off and swing it at anybody. Seems like a good rule. Second rule was, you know, if you were in the fight to start with, you could fight, but nobody else could jump in. Well, the defensive players didn't listen to that at all. <laughs> and then, then he said if anybody got in a fight, that you had to run like two gassers after practice the next day. Well, Coach Callaway – who was on with us a couple of weeks ago? Greeny, we had Callaway on. By the way, Georgia just beat LSU. Coach White and the dogs. I mean, they're like they're like fourteen and four, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. he's got them going over there. Good job, Coach White. So Coach Callaway told us though, told the offensive line because he's our offensive coordinator. Told the offensive the offensive line, I don't care what Coach Rick says about running gassers. If any of y'all get in a fight, <laughs> the rest of y'all don't get in there with him. You're gonna run double whatever he said for me. So we're at practice not long after that. And we had a guy on our team. <laughs> I guess I just got to say his name. Called him Sideline Mike because he would go to the sideline when he got the ball a lot. So I called him Sideline Mike. Sideline Mike got hit. And Pollock oh. ended up him by the bottom Dirt. of his face mask and was dragging him like this off the field. <laughs> so his heels were hitting the ground. <laughs> upside down, Pollock had him by the face mask. So then when that happens, well, you know, you can't be a punk if you're out there. So all the offensive linemen were walking off. And all of a sudden, an offensive lineman came and just cleaned Pollock up. Well, Pollock wasn't going to take that. <laughs> so he starts fighting. Next thing you know, all the offensive linemen were walking off, and you see it on the film. Our video guys filmed every fight we ever had. I wish they would send us that. That would be amazing. 
all the offensive linemen turned around and looked and saw him fighting. And you saw us all just snap the chin straps up, and here we go. <laughs> We're going in to fight. And me and Josh Brock, we saw Ray Gant. I'm getting back to poo. Ray Gant hit one of our guys in the back and was standing over him. When Ray hit him, was going on him, me and Josh came and just rocked Ray. Hit him in the side. I had Ray. I was about to go on top of Ray. When I got right here, I got caught in the ribs. And I got flattened. I looked up and Pooh. Pooh was about six one. Pooh will say he weighed three fifteen. Pooh was about three thirty-five, three forty at six one. Strongest dude ever played against. I hope he's watching to correct me on his weight. Pooh hit me, got me on the ground. He's sitting on top of me. And there's it's mass chaos. It is Royal Rumble around everywhere. He's sitting on top of me, holding my face mask, just slugging me, just punching me. With the helmet on. With the helmet on. So he's punching my that. helmet, and I'm just taking it like this. <laughs> and finally, I said, Poo, Poo. He's like, What? He was like, this. Man, what are you punching me for? He's like, Man, I don't even know. <laughs> and he just started laughing. And then that was the end of the fight. <laughs> we just loaded it. it. So we, uh, you know, we, we had some great dudes back then, and we had a lot of good fights too, for the record. Hey, there were some great, I mean, the fights that were out there were, I mean, it, it looked like a bunch of convicts. It'd be 20 on 20. And you would never know, but it never trickled back into the locker room ever. Uh, and, and speaking of Callaway, I remember Callaway and Fabris almost getting into it a number of times. You know, you take a defensive coach, yells at an offensive lineman, and then, you know, now he's being protective of his guys, and they'd almost get into it. It was wild. But we didn't know any different, Russ, did we? I mean, it was just, it, it, was, just, nope. it, it was what it was. So, but, you know, but, but we had great times. And, uh, what, you got something you going next? No, I, we we still got the the one of the Terrence Edwards, the other clip. Yeah. All right. So let's go back to that, Granny. So, um, you know, Coach Rick. If when I think about when I think about David Norman Green, you know, <laughs> I knew that, did you? Which I, I think it's hilarious because Pollock's daddy's name is Norman, but his name's not. So, anyways, did you and Pollock play together in Pee Wee football, Green? Right, never mind. All right. So, so. If, if there's ever any moments that I think defines your career for Georgia fans, it was probably the P44 stuff, the play action stuff, the ball, the hiding of the ball and all that. I think when people look back at David Green and just remember some of those kind of pivotal moments, I think these plays are going to be it. So, all right, Greeny. Yes. 44 flat back Ruski. And the key here, yeah, you got to pause right there. And this, this is the key. See how I'm extending the ball? I'm just trying to show the ball because these – you know, these defensive players, they're, you know, they're they are like puppies, man. They're like, they got to trust their instincts. And so you, they can't think too much. And so when they see the ball and it's third one, they're thinking I'm giving it to Musa right here, right? They think I'm giving it to Musa. And the key is, is right when I'm about to stick it in Musa's belly, I put the ball down in my crotch where they, I know they can't see it. And, of course, my body language is, I think, the key of the whole deal. Slump your shoulder. I'm just stupid enough to just pull this off without getting hit in the back of the head. But I actually knew. I was like, if I slump my shoulders, they are not going to think I got the football. And they didn't. And uh, it worked. So Nobody thought it. They thought the whole stadium, the cameraman, I mean – Nobody thought you had the ball. Yeah, and and I, I love the Bobby Johnson. Look at that. They called yeah. it flat back Ruski because if you watch the O line on that, the O line fires off on that play right there. And then yeah. Roddy, Roddy kind of hovered over a minute ago. Watch the linebackers and the safeties when it plays right here again. I mean, those guys. I mean, it's watch them. Watch those line, that second level guys. The 
The offense line comes off run blocking. And look at that. Look at that safety flying from up top. You know, Tanner, when you're slow and you're not athletic and you don't have a big arm, you better find something you're good at. And you were good at sticking the ball in your crotch, apparently. That's what you just that, said. You got to use your strengths to your advantage. Get it I mean, to third one. Don't get to third 15. Get me to third one, and we'll make it happen. Are those your favorite plays from when you played? You know, Tanner, I don't know. I don't really care. Uh, I don't I don't know. Uh, yeah, of course, any touchdown. Watch Tanner's career. Chop his feet on the guy he's going to block. Chop, chop, chop. Yeet. And, you know, that number 13, that safety, they said he had like a 4-0 GPA. That's why it goes to show you don't have to be the, the smartest guy in the world to be good at football. I'll tell you this, Terrence Edwards, one of my favorite players of all time. I mean, such a savvy football player and a gamer. Solid, dependable, um, just knew how to make plays. And he was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I knew when Terrence was out there, he would get open. Look at like, that. Look at there. That was pre-beard right there, Tanner. Pre-beard. You were pre-beard a week ago. You've never had a beard. I mean, you were 41 years old before you ever before you could ever say that was pre-beard. I'm um, telling you. That well, was a, it's, hey, it's, that's the other thing. Here's the thing, Tanner. I was like, you know, I graduated high school when I was 17. You're getting 17-year-old sophomores and junior, you know, and yeah. high school too. So you get 25-year-old seniors in college. Um it's just a di- it's a different world, man. Hey, Tyson Browning, my hey, that's the man right there. I see T T B on the uh, the text thread. All right, Green, I'm gonna read you a Tyson question from my Facebook post earlier today. I put on Facebook we're having you on. Greeny is the old man who doesn't do social media, so you got to help him out. Can't All blame right. him. Let's see. Where's Tyson's comment? I'm gonna have it here in just a second. Bear with me. I know this is great TV, but I look for me to be scrolling through my social media feed. It's okay. We can uh, we can sit here. Yeah, we can sit I, here. I've been he said, by, and for, for the record, how do we spell greeny? What's the official spelling of greeny? It's got to be I-E, right? Yeah, it's normally I-E, but, you know, I see E-Y. Ajax I'm, messed up. He went like a hyphen N-E-E. That ain't right, yeah. Ajax. <laughs> All, right. All right. All right. Tyson Browning said, ask greeny. Why he threw me that check down against South Carolina at South Carolina. The guy was standing right behind me. Hit me so hard, I lost the ball in my position for the rest of the day. <laughs> uh, that's great. I'll tell you this. Hey, Tyson, one of the greatest athletes here. It is, I'm from Snellville, and, you know, I was around a bunch of kids that, you know, in order to, to learn how to do a backflip, they would spend hundreds of dollars with all these coaches to teach them how to do back tucks, and that's kind of the way I grew up. We go to Georgia, Tyson be standing over there, Full uniform, just flipping around down the field. Just, I mean, just that good of an athlete. Um, but Tyson fits into that bucket. You know, Pollock used to always say, you, you know, talk about Damien Gary, you couldn't two-hand touch him in an elevator. Tyson fit that same mold as well. You get Tyson in space, buddy, you got a good thing going. And so uh, – and just one of the all-time great guys as well. And that's why, you know, once again, I get on my high horse – I feel bad for these guys that jump in the portal every other week because uh, they don't get a chance to build relationships with some good dudes. I agree. All right. Got any more on there? Got yeah, there, there's, yeah, I hit him with a few real hit quick ones. Was there any, when you're being recruited? This Mark Chris asked this question: Was there any other college that you almost went to or seriously considered other than UGA? 
You know, I committed pretty early. Um, I took an official visit to Tech. Um, Ole Miss had recruited me, um, but they had Eli there. So, I don't know. I, You know, I, I wasn't one. I didn't love all the attention. I didn't love all the um, the recruiting aspects. So, I committed pretty early. I mean, Tech, Tech was a really good program. They had, you know, Joe Hamilton. That was back in the Georgia Leary days. They're pretty good. But I, I certainly didn't want to live in Atlanta. And um, and so I wanted to play in the SEC. So outside of that, I really wouldn't know. Um, well, so Greeny, Greeny, somebody didn't like the spotlight or any of that stuff. Greeny was also offered to play baseball at Georgia. He played Parkview, big rival, his senior year. Jeff Francoeur was playing on that team. They were really Ooh. good. Greeny went well, on them, and when he came around third base, the opposing team's fans have been heckling D. Greeny the entire game. There's plenty to heckle him about. I mean, look at him. <laughs> He's not good-looking or smart at that. So they were getting on him. Greeny went yaya. Apparently, he hit one to Chattanooga from Snellville, and when he rounded third base, he looked at that student section and went. <laughs> hey, let me tell y'all. Baseball, baseball was my outlet. Like, I knew football was my ticket. I'd already committed to Georgia. And speaking of that, I saw a text a minute ago. Roger Parham is listening, and he was my high school baseball coach, one of the finest men you'll ever meet, and one of the funniest men you'll ever meet. But he was coaching back then, and um, and I wasn't a very – I was a terrible pitcher. You would think like a, a big, tall lefty, I'd be throwing gas. Uh-uh. But he would put me in that five or six hole, and, um, and I knew I was hitting the ball good if I'd hit it left center. If I was hitting bombs left center – it was I, was I was seeing the ball good. The hardest thing we ever did, we would go play Lassiter. And most people around, you know, Athens don't aren't familiar with Lass Lassiter baseball. That's all the East Cobb stuff. Every all nine guys on their starting uh, on that on that high school team, they were all going pro. Two three guys go to Clemson, and I'll never forget. I was standing in the batter's box. This kid was throwing like ninety one, and I made my mind up for the pitch, Tanner. I was like, I'm swinging at this no matter what. Like you know, I just I'm swinging. And this guy was throwing so hard, he threw the ball, and I hit it off the scoreboard. And I'm telling you, I was as shocked as everybody in that stadium. <laughs> I tried my best to act like I played cool, like I knew it was going to happen. But it was as lucky as lucky as. All right. I got a couple more questions for a wrap-up with Granny. But back to Coach Paul for a second. I hope I'm not mixing your coaches up. But I'll let's see if you can finish my sentence here, Granny. See how tight we are right here. All right. So – they were playing, and an umpire for the other team and made some bad calls. Coach had been arguing with him a long time. They were walking off the field. He walks with the umpire and told him, I know you're blind. Because I'm your wife. That's it. Wife. Yeah, that, is true. that is a true story. Coach Parm, there he is right there. So he's saying true story. It is true. I hey, you're blind. I've seen your wife. I, I need, he said, I know I I know you're blind. I've seen your wife. And it was a cold day. It was one of those like February games where he wanted to get on the bus. Right. And be, he, he was dying to get thrown out. And um, coach Parra, man, one of a kind, they don't make them like that anymore. All right, Greeny, two questions for you as we, we get ready to wrap. We're not on a hard, we're not on exactly what you call a hard stop around here. Bobby's got to drive back to the crib. He's got a little bit of a drive. But other than that, we, we're not in a huge rush. Don't let Bobby – don't let Bobby speed you. No, we're good. All right, so two questions. I'm going to kind of – I'm going to ask you both of them and kind of combine them, okay? So pay attention. Right. This is Brian Jackson and Levi Taylor. So the first one said to ask you, what when did you kind of feel like you were in total control of the offense, and when did you know that it was kind of, quote, unquote, your team? All right, and the second part of that, Levi Taylor said, I heard a rumor over the years that when LSU came to Athens in 04, 
Green is given full control to kind of run whatever he wanted to. I'd like to know if there's any truth to that, knowing that because he threw five touchdowns that day. So kind of, kind of, when did that happen for you? When did the maturity part of being the quarterback where Coach Rick, Coach Bubba, all those guys really trusted come? Because you had pretty much full autonomy your last year or two to audible to whatever you wanted to audible to. Now, there's, there's parameters around that and all that, but just kind of yeah. speaking to that. Well, all right. So, um, so as far as when I felt like it was my team or when I got full authority of the offense. So as a freshman, I thought I had full authority because – I didn't know how big the playbook really was, right? But it was really kind of more football 101. Uh, Coach Rick would say, hey, Green, all right, these guys come, throw hot, don't ask questions why. And I didn't. I just kind of went with it. And then year two or three, I realized, okay, if I see this coming, I can check the protection and and change the routes, that sort of deal. So um, I would say the longer you're there, certainly you start to see the field a little bit easier. Um, you know, the beauty of being young and naive is I thought year one, I knew the offense and I thought because he had, I'd picked up everything he had taught me. He just hadn't taught me everything. And so I had the confidence, like I, I knew it all, even though at the time I didn't, um, year three and four, you know, the, as I got in my later years there, uh, it, it wasn't like I could just do whatever I wanted. Uh, there were certainly parameters coach would say, okay, if they're going to, if they're going to do this, you're either going to run this way, or you're going to flip, run it the opposite way, or you can check a protection and run, you know, uh, you know, this kind of route combination based on what they see. So they would give me parameters, um, but they understood once they had the confidence that I was seeing what I was supposed to be seeing, they were giving me the parameters so I could check into what I needed to. And, you know, and, and just to finish, like, you know, Greeny is a super smart guy. That's why George was so good our last couple of years when he was there. That's why George's going to be good next year. Carson Beck's really smart. He's going to have to work some. You know, Greeny got to the point to where it worked so well for us because we could communicate protection-wise without him having to really worry about it too much. We knew what he wanted to do. He knew what he wanted to do. And we could change protection and help him with that. So I think that veteran office line was there. We had playmakers around him by there. And a really smart guy with a coach that trusted him. You know, we finished up as the winningest senior class in Georgia history at the time. Obviously, this sure. last couple of classes passed by. But – uh you know, a lot of a lot of success came from dudes like this right here. So yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was fun, Tanner. It was fun to be a part in those days. Those were those were good days. It was a little bit more simple, not as crazy as it is now. And and of course, everybody wants the NIL money, but I want to trade what we have for anything. Not for a million dollars. Okay, maybe for a million, but not. Nah, <laughs> it had to be. I wouldn't trade it for a million dollars. There ain't no doubt about that. So those are my dudes, man. I love them. Yeah, man. Well, hey, appreciate you guys as always. Yeah, absolutely. We'll close with this, David. You know, we're 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 coming down to the end of the NFL season. You know, you played a few years in the league. Your former Chiefs, they're in it. Are you rooting for any team in particular here to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, so I'm uh, actually rooting for the Ravens. Um, Roquan Smith, ever since he was at Georgia, he has been my favorite player. Um, actually, like, I mean, I love his style of play. I watched him every game in Chicago or at least follow his stats. I mean, he's amazing talent and, and just his motor and what he's been able to do in the Ravens. So I've, I've been watching the Ravens, became a Ravens fan uh, once he got traded over there. Then when Todd Munkin came over, um, I was obviously pulling for Todd. And he's done a fantastic job as well. So really, if anything, I'm pulling for the Ravens. Um, I just, I love what they're doing. They got a complete team. I like John Harbaugh. Uh, Chuck Smith, who's a good friend of mine too, he you know coach he coaches part of the on the defensive side, a lot of good guys there in, in that program. And they, in my opinion, I mean they should 
they should win it all. I think they're the best, most complete team in the NFL, so I'm pulling for them. I'm actually on the Ravens train, too. I'm at odds in my house because my kids all love the Chiefs. They're bandwagon people that jumped on the Patrick Holmes <laughs> train. But and No, no yeah. lines? No lines out here? I, no Dan Campbell biting kneecaps off a little bit? You don't want none of that? Love, they ain't got no dogs on their team. You're right. Love, love Dan Campbell. Love his leadership. I love how genuine he is. I mean, you could tell those guys love to play for him, and they bought in. I love what he's doing there. I think he is a fantastic leader. Yeah. And he seems to be very true and authentic, and he's himself. He doesn't try to be anybody else, and, and it's working. Have you heard how much coffee, how much caffeine he drinks every morning? No. So an average cup of coffee has like 100 milligrams of caffeine in it. Yeah. Maybe a coffee nerd's on here that can I think it's me. 80. I, I'm a bit well, of a coffee whatever. nerd. All right, so. 80. Fine. Yeah. He, every morning, goes to Starbucks and gets a venti, which I guess is a large one. I don't drink Starbucks coffee. because I think that's the tallest they got. It's the tallest they got. He gets right with two double shots of espresso oh, in them. Jeez. It's eleven hundred milligrams of caffeine a day. That's unbelievable. That's 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 how is the man how is his heart still beating? How is he still alive? Well, his face know. is red, so maybe that has to be. You got him veins bulging right there. Jeez. Where it holds, so yeah. <laughs> well anyways. D Greeny's veins never bulge. He never turns red. He's cool as a cucumber, one of the dangest dogs that's ever lived, and a good man. Appreciate you, dude. Thank you very much for jumping yep. on tonight. Thanks for coming on, David. Appreciate y'all. Yep, everyone. You know, thanks for tuning in to uh, Dogs and Hogs yet again. Here, uh, we'll be back every single Wednesday. We had David Green on again tonight. That was phenomenal. Great episode for us. So, you know, I'm sure he'll be back on again some other time. But uh, until then, we'll catch you guys next week on Dogs and Hogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs>